Welcome to From City to the World. I'm your host, Vince Boudreau, the president of the City College of New York. From City to the World is a show about how the work we're doing at City College matters to people across the city and throughout the world. We'll discuss the practical application of our research in solving real-world issues like poverty, homelessness, mental health challenges, and affordable housing. Harlem has had a rich and colorful history in the arts. Starting in the 1910s through the 1930s, thousands of African-Americans migrated north. Some landed in Harlem and brought with them a rich culture of writing, singing, dancing, and theatrical performances. That era was called the Harlem Renaissance, and it was the golden age of African-American culture. Now, one entity that carries on the tradition of stage performance in Harlem is the New Heritage Theater Group, which is sometimes abbreviated NHTG. Founded in 1964 by the late Roger Furman, who was a revered playwright and a director, an actor, a lecturer, it is the oldest black nonprofit theater in New York City. Uh, Mr. Furman began his theatrical career in the 1940s alongside you know, some of the greats, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, Ozzie Davis, Ruby Dee, Gertrude Jeanette, and others as part of the American Negro Theater in Harlem. Upon the passing of Mr. Furman, Voza Rivers, who's with us today, assumed the leadership of the New Heritage Theater as executive producer, and he enhanced the theater's productions to include training, experience, and international exposure to and for veteran and emerging artists. Voza has produced and co-produced numerous theater and television projects and film festivals over the years. So, for instance, in 1997, Columbia University professor Jamal Joseph, who was himself an award-winning playwright, an author, a director, a documentary filmmaker, and educator, partnered with Voza and added to New Heritage's uh, retinue a youth group, uh, Impact Repertory Theater. In 2008, Impact was nominated for an Oscar and Grammy for their original song, Raise It Up, which was used in the film August Rush. In 2020, New Heritage became theater-in-residence at the City College of New York. And in 2021, New Heritage Theater Group will co-produce in London with the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust and Warwick University, UK, A Black Girl's Journey, Becoming Othello, which will star the award-winning actress Deborah Ann Bird. So on today's show, Voza Rivers will join Jennifer Tuttle, who's the chair of City College's theater department, and an associate professor of theater in a discussion about the collaboration between uh, New Heritage and the theater department here at City College of New York. Voza, uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to From City to the World. Uh, my pleasure, uh, Vincent, to be a part of today's conversation is something that I really look forward to. On so many occasions when people cite the work that the theater has accomplished, one thing that is missing and overlooked is that when the theater uh, left its home at 125th Street in Lenox Avenue uh, many years ago after Roger Furman uh, passed on, we came to City College and City College opened their doors and welcomed us. And I don't want to ever uh, forget that or be remiss in not thanking City College over and over because it helped uh, expand our audiences and it gave the community an opportunity to see our work in a first-class venue. 
Well, and it's a, it's a really proud part of our history and ties directly into theater and residence status that, that we firmed up with you in 2020. Um, before we, we go on, let me tell you a little bit about Professor Jennifer Tuttle, bring her into the conversation, and then we'll be off and, and, and running. So Jennifer Tuttle, Professor Tuttle, is the chair of City College's theater department and an associate professor of theater. Uh, she teaches all levels of acting, directing, and voice. She received her MFA in theater and acting from the Hillbury Theater at Wayne State University, and she also received certification as a teacher of the Michael Chekhov Technique from the Great Lakes Michael Chekhov Consortium, where she also serves as an associate teacher. She earned a certificate in acting from the Moscow Art Theater School. As an actor, she's worked regionally at Milwaukee Rep Theater, at New Orleans Shakespeare Festival, and the theater at Lime Kiln, among others. So she's got a whole retinue of projects. Her most recent projects include directing a new piece, Apple Table Penny, by Peter Levine, which headlined Emerging Artist Theater's New Work series at NYC. She's also directing the musical Urinetown for CCNY. I gotta say, I saw that uh, three years ago and it was a stunning performance. Um, and she's also <laughs> directing and dramaturging a bilingual version of Much Ado About Nothing called, can you guess? It's called Much Ado Para Nada for Shakespeare in Detroit. <laughs> she's directing a devised piece, Immigration Stories, for the Culture Project's Women's Center Stage in NYC. And Jennifer, if I'm not mistaken, that actually came out of some immigration classes at CCNY. Is that, is that the same piece I'm thinking of? It is, and, and we were um, able to also perform it uh, for your donors' luncheon this past year during the pandemic, which was um, just a really exciting way to kind of keep keep some performance alive during the, the pandemic. And so mm. thank you for that opportunity. No, it was tremendous to have you there. That is, I believe, uh, also a New Heritage Theater Group co-production for the 2020-2021 season. Jennifer, welcome to From City to the World. Thank you, Vince. It's a pleasure to be here with you and with Foza. I, um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, let me start with you then. I, I want to ask you to start by talking about the work of the theater department. What, what strength have you built into the program? What kinds of work do your students do while they're on campus? And, and what do they typically undertake when they leave CCNY? Well, I think one of the strengths is that we are a BA program, and so uh, we give our students opportunities to try absolutely every aspect of our art form. So uh, students take acting classes, they take directing, playwriting, they take technical classes, um, they learn how to light lights and set sets and costume costumes. And so we find that our students leave here and they show up in every single one of those aspects of the industry. And even um, many of our students, because they are so hands-on and we, we have student-directed productions, four of them a year, and then we have a lot of showcases that come out of classes that produce work. And so... Um, Students even learn how to produce, and so we have many students who are producing as they leave here too, which means they get to, um, you know, create their own work and have some agency over their careers in a way that I think sometimes 
not to knock BFA programs, they have their strengths too. But uh, but in terms of us, I think that gives us a, a strength and that our students walk out of here, I think a little more empowered than just knowing one aspect of the industry. Mm -hmm. I wanna ask you both about the relationship between the work that you do and the programs you run and the community of Harlem. Um, so for Jennifer, you know, what does it mean for a theater program to live and work in Harlem? Does your place in this community influence the kind of work you do? And for Voza, we heard in the introduction how deeply your own work and the work of New Heritage Theater is embedded in the life and history of Harlem. But I wonder if you could talk about how you envision your role and the role of the arts in, in our neighborhood. And Voza, maybe we start with you on this one. Yes. Um, when I started in the 1960s uh, with Roger Furman, I didn't start with a set of tools or a direction that uh, Jennifer uh, mentioned in terms of what the um, focus would be for young people wanting to study theater in all of its elements. I came into it as a volunteer, as a person who lived in the community. When Roger Furman described what happened at the public library on 135th Street, now called the Schomburg Center and the American Negro Theater and what they were taught, one of the things that he referenced was the importance of having uh, a connection to the community. So upon Roger's passing, I never forgot that. And Roger was not a person who wanted to go to Broadway. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do excellent work, first-class productions in the community. And that resonated with me when I ascended to the leadership for the theater, that the community was extremely important. And so the kind of presentations that we have done over the years take into consideration all of the challenges that people may have in terms of living in a community that it sometimes is left out of the equation in terms of the appreciation uh, for arts and culture in the community. We're celebrated globally, but sometimes People forget the foundation, how it starts. And it starts in little theaters. It starts in little dance companies. It starts with educators and teachers uh, who are really dedicated to the craft and to share that. And I kind of inherited that model for everything that I do. It was important for me after uh, having relationships with some of the larger institutions who came uptown to see the work. They came to City College to see what we were doing. And eventually that led to a relationship with downtown and uptown. And I celebrated that because the, the, the community now was getting an opportunity 
to experience what happens downtown, but they didn't have to go far. <laughs> they, they could stay in their own community and do that. So giving first-class productions was very, very important to let young people from the community know what we were doing, to take what we were doing into the local schools, which we did with the Frederick Douglass Academy, creating workshops. And all of those elements uh, that Jennifer uh, uh, referenced we were able to take that uh, into some of the local schools and cultural institutions within the community. Jennifer, can you um, sort of answer the question from the reverse side? Like, what does it mean to be running a theater program that is surrounded by the cultural and social and, and I would say even political traditions of Harlem? Yes, absolutely. And it, I think it sort of feeds right into kind of where where we leave off is exactly where Bose is picking up. And thinking of like immigration stories that you mentioned in your introduction was born out of uh, my students' um, concerns and fears and their activism about the DACA repeal. Um, they had a strong desire to create art around their fears about, because so many of our students are, you know, either first generation or they refer to themselves as 0.5 because so many of them have um, immigrated here as children and, you know, are here at city. And they, they just had a need to, to create art and protest and uh, to make a social justice piece around immigration. And so uh, that was my job as a facilitator of their work was to just give some structure around that and let them, let them create and let their, their voices be heard. And, and then, you know, uh, again, provide the training um, scaffolding for them to uh, create that work, understand how that work is created and uh, write their own work, devise how the piece came together so that we are just as Rosa uh, said, like those folks go out into this community, they're, they're bringing the work and their lived experience from this community and then pouring it back into the community in how they make their work going forward. And hopefully, as Boza said too, sharing that with downtown so that they see what's happening up here and that these stories are essential and they are a huge part of the American story mm. and the world story. Yeah. yeah, you know, I was all queued up to ask about, and I guess I will ask, uh, but, but you're, you're already kind of halfway to answering the question. But I think in, in, in different ways, our students and, and members of the Harlem community, I mean, they, they very similar kinds of communities. And our students come from the South Bronx and Harlem and, and, and Northern Manhattan. And, and so one of the things that I think our students and you know, people who live close to City College share is that their stories don't often get told as often, or they don't get told in a way that they have ownership over. You know, so maybe someone comes in and decides they're going to do a play or a, a film about what it's like to live in Harlem or what it's like to be an immigrant student. Um, it's not always the people who are living those experiences that are involved in telling those stories, but, but both the New Heritage Theater and City College, you're in a little bit of a different position. And I wonder, what the two of you think about your role in facilitating the ability of people 
to tell a story that's maybe um, hidden from the attention of, of, of many people in the United States? Well, <clears throat> for me, uh, being a part of Roger Furman's legacy and being a person well-grounded in the Harlem community as a young person, as a teenager, and not knowing the history and the important role that theater played until I actually went into his space uh, and uh, volunteered to be a part of what he was doing in absorbing that information and then eventually having an opportunity to continue uh, what I experienced and what I learned was so beneficial to me when Jamal Joseph and I decided that what we got from our elders was information that we were obligated to share with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And that's why we created the youth component to teach them and to share with them the same way Roger shared the American Negro Theater's uh, goals and objectives uh, with us. And through incorporating that into what we were doing, and these young people were as young as 12 years old. Today, more than 1,500 young people came through our arts and culture program with a focus on music and theater. And they have graduated, and they're graduates now of City College and Columbia University and so many other institutions. They're taking that legacy that we shared, and they are propelling it and sharing it with other generations. And I think that that's what's so, so important about the work that we do. And what's important is to understand the foundation of Harlem's reputation as the cultural capital of Black America and how all of that took place. It was a grassroots opportunity for people who were living in the community to come together and to share uh, their history. Then that's what was one of our major goals is how do we continue to capture that history and share it, not only within the community, but nationally and globally. So Jennifer, on this question of, you know, lending, mm -hmm. you know, providing theater as an, as an opportunity for new voices, how do you think about that in your, in your own professional role? I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting listening to Voza. He came in with his cultural understanding and lived experience of Harlem and then learned, you know, kind of the industry of theater. Well, I came to Harlem with the understanding of the industry in theater and my education has been uh, exactly what Bozo just mentioned, right? The rich history of the Harlem Renaissance and the theatrical traditions of Harlem. And so uh, that's been my work as part of uh, teaching here at City. And and so I see that as my primary job and to to, you know, to learn as much from my students as, you know, I probably, I'm sure you've heard this before, I think I learn more from my students sometimes than they learn from me. But um, 
you know, like I said, I'm teaching them structures and things, but we're we're really working too on decolonizing those structures and making sure that um, we're respecting the traditions and the culture of this community and how that's reflected in theater, while also teaching them the skills that they'll need to to work anywhere. You use the phrase decolonizing, and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. I want to make sure people um, have a clear sense of what you mean when you, when you use that. Can you, can you talk concretely about what it means to you to decolonize theater or decolonize a curriculum? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, most of our academic traditions come from a white Northern European model. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a tendency when you teach from that place to look at that as the correct model and that to highlight those stories or those curriculums or pedagogies as being the either, you know, the right way to do something or or the prominent way to do something. And it silences, you know, all the other traditions on the planet, really. <laughs> so um, so teaching from where you are and who you are with and uh, what the lived experiences and traditions and models and pedagogies of of the culture that you're in is so important, uh, especially in a place like City College, but really anywhere, you know, and that idea that there's um, such a universal richness to all the traditions that we teach here at City College and not to look at them from just, you know, a white Northern European lens. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous opportunity to have students and community members who are coming from all over the world. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a kind of ongoing challenge to make sure that we are honoring those traditions and providing space for them to grow and to breathe. And speaking of that, you know, we were talking about providing you know, spaces for new voices. And Voza, I wonder if you would indulge me for a second. You once told me the story of how you brought Woza Albert through City College and into New York and America. I wonder if you could share that story with our listeners. Yes, it, it's again an opportunity. Uh, we have a very small theater up in Harlem and uh, there was a play that a student of Hunter College, who was South African, found out that we had this little theater in Harlem and came by and shared with me a story about how in his country that uh, dealing with apartheid was being uh, addressed through the arts and especially through the theater. And that theaters that were in existence had to hide from the government that they were doing plays that shed uh, the, the reality of the, uh, the ravages of apartheid. And that there was a particular show downtown at the Lucille Lortel Theater uh, called Woza Albert. And Woza Albert was a celebration of the life of Albert Latuli, a South African who was renowned and worked very closely with Nelson Mandela. And I went downtown to see the show, 
at the Lucille Hotel Theater on Christopher Street. And I was blown away by what I saw because I had never seen anything, even with working with Roger, with all of these fabulous actors. I had never seen anything like that. And there were just two actors. Mm. When I got to see the show, the show had already been at the Lucille Hotel for several months and it won the prestigious Obie Award for Best Actor, Best uh, Directing of a Play. And I met those two actors, and they said to me, Boza, we've been at Lucille Hotel Theater. The, the attendance has been excellent. And yet, when we look out, we don't see anyone in the audience that look like us. Why is that? And I explained that I'm supposed to be in the theater, and I, I knew nothing about their production at all. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes, uh, I don't know if it's intentional, but the advertising for those pre- presentations downtown stick with a white culture, white newspapers, et cetera, and very rarely do we uh, know what's happening in those theaters. And they said to me, well, where are the black people? <laughs> because they're not here. And I shared with them that, well, I have my little theater uptown, and we're uptown, and they said, where? And I said, Harlem. Oh, my God, we have to come to Harlem. <laughs> Eventually, I was able to uh, get the producer who actually brought them into the United States to agree to allow me to bring those actors up to Harlem to our theater for three special performances. Because of that, the New York Times wrote an article from uh, Soweto to the village to Harlem that, that, that landed on the front page of the weekend section of the New York Times. Mm. And the performances were so exceptional to what they did downtown because now they felt that they were home, that it was picked up and the word of mouth was that Everybody had to come and see this work that these same two actors were going to see. And for Harlemites, it was the first time that a play from South Africa had come to Harlem. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know all of that history. What I was trying to do was to accommodate the request that they come uptown. (laughs) Had no idea the impact that that would have because that show, uh, once it closed, those actors wrote another play that said to me, we have to come to Harlem first. This is our home. And that second play that I was not allowed to go to South Africa to see because I was on a blacklist, the only way I could listen to what they were doing was over the telephone. And I found a way to bring it back to that play to Harlem which was called Asenamali, a Zulu word for we have no money, mm-hmm. and bring it into Harlem sight mm-hmm. unseen. And Harry Belafonte came to see it. Uh, Quincy Jones came to see it. All of these luminaries wanted to see the South African play. A year later, that play was on Broadway and nominated for a Tony. And I had the, the guts to bring it in sight unseen to Harlem. I love that story. It's also wonderful to, you know, you hear actors all the time talk about 
you know, live theater is different than television or movies. You only do it once. It's always live. And you have that interaction between folks on stage and, and people in the audience. And for these actors to be, you know, tuned into what I'm sure was the obvious difference between performing these shows downtown and performing up in Harlem. I mean, Harlem audiences are famously different than audiences yeah. you find in other yeah. parts of the country. Uh, it must have been quite something. It really was. And, you know, and because of the response that they received, uh, and they went back to write another play, which was the musical that everybody knows called Serafina, Mm-hmm. And Lincoln Center partnered with us because Lincoln Center got a sense of the work that we were doing together once they uh, saw the other two plays. The show came to Lincoln Center. It had received wonderful reviews. And Bernie Gersten, who was the executive producer of Lincoln Center, said to me, Boza, we have recouped all of our money on this musical. And what you have told me is that a number of people from your community haven't had a chance to see it. I said, yeah, you have Lincoln Center, you have uh, such a membership base for, for members that as soon as you announced that you had to play, they bought up all the tickets. <laughs> so, so people yeah. in our community could do that. What Bernie Gersten did, which was really uh, a vote of confidence that he had, and our theater company is he set aside 10% of the tickets that he gave to me to give to people in the community so that they could see the show. Mm-hmm. That show was Serafina. Mm-hmm. When it finished this run at Lincoln Center, I said, Bernie, I need to take the show to Harlem. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely. And that's when we brought Serafina to City Hall. That's wonderful. Um, Before it opened on Broadway. You know, talking as we are today at what I think we all hope may be at least the beginning of the end of the pandemic, I'd like to take a second and reflect on what's happened in the arts, to the arts, over the course of these last two years, both how communities of artists have been tested, how they've been affected by the hardship of these last couple of years, and what ways they've contributed to our collective efforts to draw strength and, and comfort from one another. Um, maybe Jennifer, what do you think? I, you know, it's interesting. There's there's that meme going around that says, you know, when you think back on this time and what got you through, your reflection is going to be the books you read, the music you listened to, right, the films that you watched. And so I think art is such a powerful force at a time when people are under duress. For theater, it was a really difficult time because, you know, theater takes place in person, in rooms, like you said, in a live setting. And so we were, you know, there's a term in theater called, you know, going dark, which would be like a lot of times Mondays are the days that theaters go dark and everybody, you know, gives the actors and technicians and crews a a day off. Well, we were dark for, you know, well over a year. Um, and so I think it was, uh, you know, while maybe other artists were having an outlet, I, I feel it was really, really difficult for theater because, um, you know, I know we as a department tried some some online 
you know, theater, but you know, we're not a we're not a film program and theater isn't film and so there was just no real replacement for that that crackle of live theater. And what I'm noticing though is as we're coming back, you know, to being fully in person this semester is people just have so much energy to tell they have a ton of stories to to tell. <laughs> um and um an overwhelming desire to get back to it and and to start telling those stories and and another thing that i'm noticing is that because we've lived through this time of you know deep trauma both with the pandemic and the social injustice that's really you know that we're i'm hoping starting to actually address in this country um there's also a real desire to tell some some stories of joy that's what I'm hoping is that, you know, we are moving back to a place where we can, I mean, we've had live productions last semester and this semester, and it's just so joyful to be in a room and, and people have a real need to not just tell stories of heartbreak or trauma or drama, but also to tell stories of joy and love and laughter. Boza, I've heard you um, earlier in the pandemic talking on, this topic in particular on the kind of hardship that was visited particularly on the kind of small theater companies that you mm. were talking about uh, earlier and I, I wonder if you could um, first of all give us a sense of what the toll has been and and do you see signs of a, a kind of regeneration in the theater community or, or, or do we still have kind of a long way to go it has been a, a difficult journey over the last two years for uh, not only theater, but I'll just say the cultural community. Yeah. Um, that kind of interaction between the artists, the storytelling, is part of the energy that brings to life these stories. We had to um, understand that a number of the artists were suffering because their, their livelihood was based on being able to uh, perform and get paid, and then that wasn't possible based on the fact that a lot of the performance spaces had to close down. Our artists found themselves being challenged in a new way that perhaps they never thought that that would happen to them. And as a result of that, uh, our theater partnered with the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce to provide um, food yeah. for artists mm -hmm. to uh, assist them in learning to use uh, uh, their artistry in other ways. In other ways, we were able to get computers for some of the artists so that they can do Zoom programming and, and participate in workshops and seminars, we, in our uh, theater, as we were losing venue spaces that were closed, we had to turn on a dime to say that, well, is it possible that we could do workshops on the Zoom format? And we started changing a lot of things. So for our theater, Although we had reduced a lot of the live performances, we tried to keep in touch with a lot of the artists that worked with us over the years who we found out wasn't doing well, 
some of it was around health, uh, uh, the other areas, uh, the issues with economics. And, uh, and we just found a way to change and to enhance what we were doing by understanding that we had to go virtual. And so with the virtual programming that we were doing, we went from being in a space of 100 to 200 people to being able to show the work that we were doing to thousands of people. And uh, as a result of that, was very interesting is that we resonated very well with the international community. So then we found out some of the stories and some of the artists who came from other countries who were involved with us, they would uh, share with us an opportunity to showcase something in Nigeria, to showcase the work that we were doing uh, in Harlem because of Harlem's reputation to Zimbabwe, to South Africa, to Japan. And we started building a new family because of, of, of the challenges that we were facing in our community. And I know that now as things are getting better, that this relationship will continue to grow because I, I'm feeling uh, the, 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 the jubilation of the partnerships that we've now formed internationally saying, I can't wait to you guys coming to Europe or coming to, to Africa or Africa coming to Harlem. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's a new opportunity. That, that's, that's terrific. You know, um, in education, one of the things that you hear very, very commonly is, you know, of course, with teachers all around the world really going from in-person to remote teaching, and now with the opportunity to step back from that and, and think about what it means to teach in a less threatening environment from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things we say all the time is, you know, we're not going to go back all the way. There's going to be legacies of of this period that, that uh, in affects how we teach and how we organize education going mm-hmm. forward. And, Bose, you just talked about the expansion of your network and the construction of a community. Uh, yeah. But for either one of you, I mean, I wonder if you're also seeing this kind of the beginnings of a legacy of the pandemic in the way art is produced or the way art is delivered or the content of art. I mean, are we have, have we seen the great artworks that will come out of the the human suffering and 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 heroism and and you know the whole range of, of human interactions with the pandemic and and what about the medium itself um, what do you think Jennifer you want to answer first <laughs> I love that both of us are like perhaps Perhaps Gosa will take this one first. Uh, no, sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's uh, listening to Voza talk about the outreach that was able to happen for New Heritage, and you know, I think that's one of the ways that um, you know uh, academia can sometimes be a little bit. Um, well, you know, we have a we have a, a fixed place, you know, and um, 
and perhaps we're not able to be as nimble sometimes as, um, as something like New Heritage. So I'm listening to Voza talk about how they flourished during the pandemic, and it makes me think I'm so excited about our collaboration with New Heritage because um, we have we have spaces and we have resources and things that we can offer and they're different than what, um, what new heritage can offer. And, you know, if you put those pieces together, we like we're, we're stronger together, if that makes sense. And so I, I'm wondering if that's part of how things change. We're all looking for where we can make connections. We're looking for how we can expand our outreach. We're looking for how we can continue to make our, I'm sure we've all thought, you know, we probably will live through something like this again in our lifetimes. So I think, like you said, Vince, we have to be forward thinking about what are the best practices and things that we've learned from this and, and how do we make lemonade out of lemons? And, and it, I mean, Rosa absolutely did. So I'm, I'm just sitting here in awe <laughs> and happy that, we're in this community together. You know, um, Vince, you stepped into my office once and you felt something, you felt the history. And yes. you didn't and you didn't really get a sense of the relationship with City College, which I like I always say helped me lay the foundation for what I'm doing. Then Jennifer earlier spoke about the Eurocentric approach to arts and culture, but in theater in particular. And so a lot of students get that history if they go to schools to study theater, the Shakespeare, et cetera. When Roger and Ozzy and those guys were looking at theater, they were looking at the African Grove Theater that was founded 200 years earlier as the first African-American theater in the United States. And that history was embedded in motivating in the 1940s, being uh, exposed to that early history and the journey that happened after that first theater, that first black theater closed. And that became the foundation on what they built. When I met Jennifer, also briefly, there was something magnetic about how she responded, and, uh, and I knew, again, that there was this opportunity of us doing something really great uh, together because it comes full circle. You know how they say you never forget the first kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it felt it felt so good to just talk about city college and what and what what has been going on and and, and and what has been happening in the community. There's going to be a lot of change over the next two years that we're going to be experiencing. Broadway and the Broadway community has now opened up itself to saying that yes, we need to do more black plays. Coming out of the pandemic, there's more black plays over the last year in the whole history of black plays being produced. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. black shows on Broadway, unheard of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But that's what's happening right now. But the thing that I address, and a lot of those companies would come to me to say, Boza, how do we get your audience to come? And I said, well, first of all, you have to make them feel welcome. Yeah. And it yes. depends on who is inviting them. And they said, well, Boza, I mean, I've done it with Lincoln Center. And Lincoln Center would say, uh, we're just doing this in conjunction with Bozo. You put his name on something, and we're going to get them back for him to come to our shows. And we started doing it. At first, I was a little uh, hesitant about that because I didn't want the people uptown to think that I was abandoning them. But what mm. Lincoln Center and Bernie Gersten and Greg Moshe, those guys, they saw a partnership. And we did that very well for over a 15-year period of working together and creating new opportunities and new festivals and, and new ways and what worked at Lincoln Center and worked in Harlem. We could go to Washington, D.C. with it. We could go to Atlanta, George with it. They, it opened up new opportunities that we didn't even think about initially uh, of, of working together. And I just feel that this opportunity will come up again with us working together. You both have referenced in passing the fact, and I did in my introduction earlier, that um, in 2020, the New Heritage Theater Group became a, a company in residence at CCNY. I wonder if you could just tell us how that came about and what it means for, for both institutions. I was just very, very fortunate that I had the, uh, the history mm -hmm. of working with City College, so I had the institutional history. And as I shared it with some of the, I don't want to say instructors because there were vice presidents involved who also knew some of that history. And I said that I would love to be able to share with the students in the community some of the kind of programming that we did. Uh, so there were plays that we brought. Ruby D, when she wanted to impress me with an artist, that she said was the greatest actress that she had seen since Paul Robertson. Mm -hmm. And she brought that artist to City College. Her special invited people, about 200 of us, we're at a 600-seat theater, to see a solo performance on the stage of City College. And I said, wow, but Ruby, you know, this is a one actor. We could have been anywhere a small theater know it was important for it to happen at City College. Mm. And I took that experience of saying that with the history of the college and what the college represented for arts and culture way back when, when a lot of the music concerts would happen outdoors and, and, and its history, it just became the right place to have a conversation. And we did a film festival together working with the uh, with some of the instructors. It just felt good, again, to have that relationship and to bring the community to the campus. Jennifer, what about for you and the theater program? What does it mean to have a, a company in residence? To pick up on what Voza said, that idea of, um, you know, especially after the pandemic, like reminding folks that we're here, that we're in Harlem, that this is 
their campus, um, welcoming people in. And again, like, like Rosa said, who, who makes the invitation matters and um, telling stories that are important to the people in the community that come from the community. I just, I think having, you know, a partner and again, you know, um, also just that idea of if we're talking about really decolonizing, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm white and <laughs> I mean, new heritage is so aptly named. I mean, it, it's, it's the past, the present and the future of the arts and particularly theater here, but all of the arts in, in Harlem. And so to have a partner who's so capable, has so much outreach, has just a compendium of history, but a forward is in the here and now and has a forward looking uh, future plan. And the idea that our students will be able to be a part of that and, you know, the kind of connections and relationships that they'll make seeing somebody like Rosa who has literally done everything. You have the will and the energy of like five people, Rosa. (laughs) You really do. So I don't know. I just think that's so important. So people can, you know, when you're young, it's so important to see role models who are aspirational and have done the things that you dream about. So I, I think all of those things are what, like Rosa said, that, you know, the first time we met, there was just this instant, like, just like a spark of like, we're going to have a great partnership. That's great. Um, I think I've got time for one more question. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question that, that gives you both the opportunity to constructively criticize the work that we do at the college. And, and, and this is what I'm thinking. You know, I've always um, had it in my mind that alongside the primary educational mission of a place like City College, it has a vital social and cultural role. It should be a social and cultural institution in the community. And so I want to ask, are we, do you think we're fulfilling that role? And, and if we're not doing all we should be doing in that vein, what should we be doing to be a stronger resource to, to the public in, uh, up, in, up in Harlem? I mentioned uh, partnerships and friendships, and I and I mentioned Lincoln Center. When the team at Lincoln Center uh, retired from Lincoln Center, Greg Mosher was tapped by uh, the president of Columbia University to come to Harlem to uh, elevate the theater program at Columbia to receive the same kind of accolade and reputation that the School of Journalism, or all of the other divisions of Columbia University. And Greg Moshe gave me a call and said, Boza, I'm in Harlem, you know. I said, well, that's, that's really great. And he says that the mandate is to get the students and the school to focus on arts and culture in a way that they haven't done before. And part of that is they want to be able to connect to the community. I believe that that, that, that opportunity, um, again, it was because of that invitation uh, of Greg Moshe moving to Paul. Uh, he has now left Columbia and he chairs the theater program at Hunter College. And then the first thing he does when he gets to Hunter is to call me again to talk to the students and motivate the students 
at Hunter College about what happened in Harlem. And so it's just very, very interesting that it comes from relationships, and it not only comes from people like myself, but if you're in an uh, educational institution, we have to share that and elevate the understanding between the the teachers Mm -hmm. at the college Mm -hmm. on on the kind of initiative and why this is important. So it's just not talking outside of the college. It's talking inside and letting other people understand the importance of what is being uh, proposed. Jennifer, what do you think? One of your initiatives when you became president was to, you know, there's this kind of image sometimes of city colleges being like the city on the hill, you know, and I think it's crucial that we make sure that that hill isn't uh, too high of a slope to walk up. I think we've had Harlem come to us, but I'm not sure we've gone to Harlem as often and as much as, as we can. And I know that's something that you've been working on. And I I think it's exactly the kind of relationship that we're talking about here today that will change that because I just believe we we are in this vital thriving community with such history, you know, such a a beacon to the world and we have the great good fortune of being here. So I think we could do more for there to be that kind of uh that fluidity as being both in Harlem and a part of Harlem and Harlem being a part of us and and that that flow. We have, to quote you from 15 seconds ago, we have the great good fortune of being here. And I think that's yeah. a, a really great way to, to put a punctuation mark on this conversation. Friends, thank you so much for this. Uh, first of all, those of you listening on the radio, I want to thank you for listening to From City to the World. And I want to give a special thanks to our two fabulous guests, Boza Rivers, who is a founding member of the New Heritage Theater group and its current executive producer. He was joined by our own Jennifer Tuttle here at City College, who chairs our theater department and is an associate professor of theater. Um, can't thank you both enough. What a, what a great conversation and, and um, can't wait to see what the collaboration between the college and the uh, New Heritage Theater Group um, produces. Uh, so, so thank you both for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. This show was produced by Angela Harden. Um, I help out a little bit, um, so I get a little bit of credit there. And I hope to have you back next month for our next show. Thanks for joining us, everybody.